0: one, welcome to From Nowhere to Nothing, ontological oxymorons. I'm your host, Joel Bouchard, doctoral student in psychology, and with me today is Mr. Norm Gayford, a professor of English and philosophy. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover on the show, feel free to email us at from to nothing Podcast at gmail.com or contact us on our Facebook page. If there's one thing the past few episodes have demonstrated, it's the time is a weird thing. Maybe the weirdest thing about our experience. Well, it gets stranger. We have memories of the past that tell us what has happened. We have a current experience of the present moment that informs us of our reality. But the future? Ontologically, the future simply doesn't exist. Sure, our thoughts and feelings about it do. But as an accessible thing, the future is always unknowably outside our grasp. Or is it? Let's find out. Hmm. As usual, you lead us as well. I, I, I need
1: to... I want... I, I'm, I'm, need to say something really quickly, and that is that uh, my joy in doing this with you is, is ongoing. It just never dampened. It's, gone, it's quite the opposite. But I want to say something to the people who are listening to us, and, and that is it's a great joy to have the privilege of being in your ears <laughs> for a short time or however long you happen to listen. Because while while we laugh a lot and we enjoy the conversation, um, that, which is really the point in many ways, it's also about trying, um, not trying, we're, 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 we're living the model, however flawed, but we're living the model of, of having conversations that uh, examine our humanity and our civility and, and the things that are most desperately needed right right now. The, the, the world is more complex. We can't make it more simple. We shouldn't make it more simple. And so um that's why I look forward to these. One of the many reasons every week is that we take something and we find out how even more complicated it is. And the future, the, that definite article that we apply, the, not a future. Yeah. Or this future, or that future, relative pronoun. No, we we say the future.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because if you think about it, you know, you can say, "Hey, be present," or "Hey, that's past," right? (laughs) But you can't really say, "Hey, that," you know. It's the it's always the it's Mm -hmm. always the future, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which is interesting. So, what is the future?
1: (laughs) Okay, the Latin root. You know, I love the etymology. The Latin root is. Uh, Futuris. Futuris means about to be. Things that are about to take place. In the, in the late 14th century, it was redefined a little bit as that is yet to be. Whatever it is that that is yet to be. So, it's, there's a little bit of difference in that because the about to be and yet-to-be implied uh, a suggestion of distance or, or immediacy. Yeah. Um, and uh, going-to-be, yet-to-be, that that's really where it kind of
0: stuck. Yeah, I feel like about-to-be has a flavor of inevitability about it, whereas uh-huh. yet-to-be seems a little bit more undefined. I agree. And and that and so when we start out with the ancient Latin
1: and then we move up into the Middle Ages, um, I think that probably speaks to a lot about how people were seeing the world. Uh, but yeah, I find the yet more uh, conducive. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So have there been any specific musings about the future in philosophy oh my <laughs> you 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 know you that wasn't coy but that was funny
1: <laughs> have there been yes um where do we start Aristotle uh he Aristotle said the future is not determined uh one of the first people to say that formally in the writings that we've been able to, to glean uh Fatalists argue that claims we make about what will or will not happen in the future. You know, the fatalists will say, this is what's going to happen. I'm claiming it's going to happen, is going to. So on my worst day, I might say something about, oh, uh, that an old villain is going to be president again. And, uh, okay, that's fatalism. That is not f- about the future. And, and so Aristotle was, uh, he thought events happen because they were subject to being diverted from the courses that they were on. So, Aristotle was talking about time, cause and effect, uh, things, a path is diverted, and that makes a change in the future. Hmm. The future isn't there, as you just said at the very beginning, but but I think that's interesting. Uh, uh, Plato uh, was deeply pessimistic about the human race, of course, which is why he wrote <laughs> the uh, about idealism is why he wrote about the ideal uh government but uh, it, but he says that most people aren't capable of handling themselves enough to be in charge of anything and 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 to bring about a future uh, a future where the, oh, the the general population is in charge of it is a future that is frightening mm-hmm. that that's Plato. Okay. uh now if so there's Socrates, the triumvirate, Socrates, then Plato, then Aristotle. So Aristotle didn't take on his teacher's um, quite so negative view. Um, and and then we just go on. Hy- Hypatia, we talked about her before. Uh, the, she didn't talk about the future exactly, but she says uh, that uh, for humanity, the question is always to, to grow. It's about personal development. It's about the act of questioning aspects of progress and expansion. And I think that's about the future. (coughs) Because if you, if you, there are a bunch of words I I listed. I just, I want to see how you respond to it. I think that um, if we go back to one could point out uh, words that we think have to do with the future. I made a list. Change, growth, experience, transformation, backsliding, rethinking. (laughs) Revision, uh, projecting, extrapolating, conjecturing. All those are about making changes in our course that will somehow, we think, affect the future.
0: Yeah. A future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know what? The one comes to my mind, strangely enough, <coughs> hmm. is gambling, right? Ah. And I think that it is appropriate because we, when we were talking about Pascal, we talked about how his... Sort of um well, his wager that's yeah amazing. his thoughts well, yeah, and his his whole thoughts about um um you know mathematical uh probability theory came out of his friend's gambling addictions, mm-hmm. right well, we just had the Super Bowl right here in America where um you know the mo the most money is gambled away both legally and illegally in history, yeah, just across the board, and gambling is an interesting thing, right, because w- what is it, if not fortune telling right? It's this idea that somehow you have some insight into something that is going to happen, and or you could affect something by your sheer will, right? And this is probably a reason that I've never been interested in gambling at all. Like the, it's never appealed to me. Um, and if I were going to gamble, right, I'd, I'd be more inclined to to play something like blackjack versus a slot machine, right? Because at least <laughs> then you have some element of agency in, in the course of what you're doing but yeah this idea that you have an insight into what's going to happen enough so that you are going to risk some resources and it comes some cases very substantial amounts on things that are are highly uncertain right mm-hmm. so yeah i i like that list of words that you gave and i think that i think that it highlights um the same things that that are highlighted by that example, which is this idea that the future, like much like what Aristotle said, right, we don't perceive it as being determined or as something that's there that we just haven't achieved yet. We perceive it as being this cloud of probabilities, right? Hmm. And that the changes that we make in the present are going to alter what that future looks like. But that's not the view of of everyone. No, it's, it's not. It's not. Um...
1: Augustine, St. Augustine, uh, in the Confession, Um, section 37, uh, this is his words translated, but how is the future diminished or consumed when it does not yet exist? Or how does the past, which exists no longer, increase unless it is that in the mind in which all this happens? There are these functions. For the mind expects, it attends, and it remembers. So the future is expecting, hmm. present is attending to things, and the past is 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 about memory. Uh, who denies that future things do not exist as yet? It's really hard <laughs> to deny that, right? But still, there's already in the mind the expectation of things still future, uh, and 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 he goes on with that. So it, 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 when you talk about gambling, um, depending on uh, people, uh, people who who aren't addicted or people who are, there are all kinds of issues, of course, and and but but you have an expectation or a hope. Hope and expectations are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but expectation is a projection uh, based on your experience or based on what you are attending to or around you to uh, to guess. Uh, but to guess perhaps with more accuracy but it's still an expectation and what you just said a moment ago I, I was thinking about the passivity and the uh, to be passive or active about the future usually if we're passive we're not doing anything we're not changing anything about ourselves we're just going through the day and and who doesn't go through the day you know but but if we just do that and nothing else then we aren't we aren't having any hope of making any effect or change as to how the future might be it's only when we get active that we try to exert our will or we try to use our agency to maybe oh i don't know change Go on, if you're a kid, did you ever go down to a stream? I, many of us who have streams around us did this, I think, as kids. Some of us still do. Okay. <laughs> and toss a bunch of stones in, see if you can make a dam, yeah, and stop the flow of the water. Well, <laughs> a kid's dam's not going to stop the flow of the water. Oh, the water starts going going on around somewhere else, but you've affected you've had an effect in the stream. That stream has bent because of those stones that you tossed. And I think that's the active. or 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 the the
0: surprise and the expectation that can happen yeah yeah no i think that 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 holds pretty well right the water will wear down the stone over time um but for for a time anyways the stone did divert the flow of water the way that a human life sort of diverts the flow of the future right around itself so were there other philosophers that you wanted to cover or should we move on we
1: can we can move on because I think as we go we're going to come come back to these. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, does philosophy about the future necessarily involve time travel? Time travel uh, as an actual event, which we can't do yet. Or no. Time travel as yeah, time travel is in sort of a, a mental projection. Well, Augustine into- has something to
1: t- to say about that. Uh, 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 in that. He he talks about that. Obviously, the future hasn't happened yet, but he 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 refers to a thing that he calls the long future, and I think this is a, what what we're what you're referring to. Uh, a long future is a long expectation about the future. In other words, if you spend most of your time in the present thinking about what's going to happen in the future, you're. Have long expectations, the long game, so to speak. uh, All of these things I'm setting up now are to make this happen then. So I think that's a kind of uh, projection of time travel. Just Mm -hmm. like you can, if you live in the past all the time, you have a you have a long. He he referred to it as a long uh, past, a long a long experience of the past, uh, a long memory of it. Most of your your you're reconstructing your memory in such that it's not even about going to be about these things immediately. It's going to be about all that past stuff.
0: So I think that's a kind of time travel. Yeah. And so that seems like we could probably say pretty definitively that that would be a negative characteristic to have. Having you're a long past or a long future. <laughs> <laughs> because. I, what I'm thinking is okay. So if you have a long past, right, you're you're always oh, you're thinking a lot about what happened in the past. I think that there's this false sense that um, analyzing the past and the present is going to somehow help you make better decisions currently. But yes. really, an obsession about the past isn't going to. You're you're diverting too much energy to that. Well, we don't so, we don't look the the the, the
1: truism.
0: I I.
1: <laughs> Sometimes it taxes the patience, but I, it's funny, too. You, know, you you meet people and they say, I'm a history buff. Well, I'm married to a historian. And let me tell you, there's a difference between being a history buff and being a historian. And most historians will not tell you that we study history so we don't repeat the mistakes of the past. Because we're human beings, and we're going to make mistakes no matter what. Uh, it's, so it's not about avoiding so much. And I'm sure it's in there, but it's not a, the,
0: the, the, the prime mission, the prime directive. Yeah. And I think it's a similar thing with the future, right? If you have a long future, right? If you're always thinking about the future on face value, that sounds like a positive thing. Hmm. But I think if, if, you're, if you're thinking about the future so much and you're creating these plans or trying to set up things that will, will work long term, what you find very quickly is that the future does not acquiesce to your vision of it. Right. And so all of a sudden the dominoes don't fall the way that you want to. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it, which isn't to say, you know, and you have to contrast that with what you just mentioned, which was somebody who, who doesn't think about the future. Right. They just live day to day to day and they don't make any improvements. They don't have any forethought. Right. I think that it's a much more healthy, um, sort of mindset to, to be present and to be developing. Physical and mental and, and, you know, other, other characteristics that, that make you a healthy person. I think that those general characteristics will help you more in the future than setting specific plans in a lot of ways, right? Mm -hmm. It's sort of like, like technology, right? Well, you can write computer programs and have somebody code every single line as we have in throughout history, but eventually the computer program becomes outdated because of the future, right? Whereas if you have AI, right, you can seed a couple parameters and then let it build itself, and that's a much more adaptable, useful product. Yeah, I was term. just
1: reading an article this morning about that. I, I will mention it was in the New York Review of Books. Um, no, I, I take it back, sorry, it was in the Guardian, and in <clears throat> it was a, uh, a lengthy article about uh the current uh form of uh, Luddism, hmm. uh, neo Luddites, but. Uh, which, uh, goes back to, a uh, the, the machine, the industrial, in, industrial age, where the story goes that people were sabotaging, uh, machines because they were taking people's jobs away. Ned Ludd, uh, is not entirely sure he was a historical person at all, <laughs> <laughs> but he's a person whose story was told that he, he led and, and was killed for it. Uh, but, uh, currently, uh, an awful lot of um, luddites in a lot of authoritative positions are saying, "Oh, the future is a total terminator. AI will break out. AI will uh, render us null and void, and it will happen between uh, uh two and fifty years from now." Well, you know, it's always fun to prophesy, right? I see fifty. Years, so it's the silliness of Nostradamus over and over again. Any prophet, <laughs> oh, I can see what. Okay, right. <laughs> and 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 your and your prophecy can be such that it is so vague that people will reshape it to make sure that that's what the future was because you said it. Yeah, and yeah. And, and that's what's happening with these apocalyptic AI folks. I'm, I'm not trying to diminish yeah AI, AI is has all sorts of possibilities, and one of them is to eradicate us. I mean, if its job was to take care of the planet, then of course it would make perfect sense to get rid of humans. Mm. if we we talk about the world ending, the world's not ending until we as we say, when the sun when the sun finally gets large enough and expands and 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 burns the earth into a cinder as the universe goes on, well, then this world will end, mm. but it's not about human beings ending it. The planet will still spin. yeah, it's just us. <laughs> and we we don't mean that, but so this is a future thing, right? Yeah. Oh, we got to save the save the the save the future. We got to save the world. Well, do you mean we got to save people, or do you mean we have to save the world? Because it's two different things,
0: right? And so, yeah, I think this has all been a really important <laughs> discussion. So I'll ask the question a second time: Does philosophy about the future necessarily involve some aspect of mental time travel? Then, do you think? Do you think uh, you can talk about the future without? attempting to envision it? In the broadest ways, yes.
1: No, I I didn't just know. I was using very specific examples. In the broadest ways, if you talk about uh, conjecture, theorize, how uh, actions, and just saying our actions now could alter what will take place a year from now. That was vague enough that I was. I'm not making a prophecy. I'm not making it. You know, I'm just I'm just talking about the action. So I think so, but I think that if you dig, you're digging down into it. Yes, there's some kind of there's a there's a
0: projection
1: of time frame. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think that you know, in light of the the things that you and I have been reading, uh, yeah. that we've talked about in the podcast, and also things that we're going to talk about in coming weeks, and mm-hmm. other books that we that we've been reading. I'm I'm even a little bit uncertain about the broadest strokes, right? Because if, when you, you start hearing physicists talk about, um, you know, new theories about how fundamentally the reality works, you know, the universe works, you go, well, even if I use broad terms to talk about the future, I'm still making some assumptions about how basic fundamental physical laws will operate in the future. And that's just based off of theories that humans have invented, not necessarily things that we know for certain are facts, right? So it's very tricky. It is. Um so is the future is the future accessible to us then? Confucius
1: thought so. Study the past if you would define the future. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it sounds a little bit like uh you know it, we we study the past so we don't make the same mistakes but i i'm not sure that that's um i, I think it's a really interesting assertion especially coming from confucius uh, that we would define the future yeah as if we have the capacity to do that
0: yeah it, it- and it again leads us into a, a part of conversation that highlights the complexity of the human experience, right? Because we can we can talk about how being in the present moment is is important and more beneficial than than examining the past or or trying to project into the future. But I was on a podcast this week um, where, you know, it was is a veterans podcast talking about mental health. And when it comes out I'll probably I'll share it on the, the Facebook page. But yes. But that was one thing that we were talking about was how PTSD and trauma comes from past experiences and, and um, is a warping of them and then is essentially almost a in, an incorporation of it into an identity that then becomes a, a stable part of a, a characteristic. That defines... Yeah, a character trait kind of. That can define you. Um, but that also, you know, coming out of that state is a re-examination of a of the past and, and a re-exposure to the past and a reinterpretation of the past right yeah. so certainly um the past and the future can and should inform how we act in the present but it's finding what that balance is right and i think that yeah. i think that uh, augustine's you know this, you know the, the example you brought up there sort of highlights it, right I think if you if you have a long past or the long future, to me, that tends to be um, unproductive, right? Mm. But I think that a short past or a short future, right? Using in the present moment, um, being able to make calculations about the future based off of what's happening or being able to interpret why you're doing something the way you are because of your past. There can be beneficial elements to it, and trying to determine where to draw the line is is a very hard. Well, thing it for is, us and I do. think this
1: takes us to Kant. You were asking, so there are other people who are going to come, come up. Do you, do you treat people as objects toward your own goal, or do you treat people as as worthy in themselves? So you can you can spend a whole lot of time plotting your wealth into the future and, and and hope that things are going to happen. And, and there's a whole section of, of, of course, um, financial stuff called futures, <laughs> plural. Yeah. Futures market. And, and, and that's a gamble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, and there are a lot of good people who spend their lives guiding people's uh, financial futures and then take it very seriously so I, i'm not gonna uh, tread on that but i think that if we spend our let's say a person spends most of their time uh, uh how how can i make more money to put aside how can i make more money to put aside so that i can so that it'll be there if i have a child or so it will be there so i can support some other um younger person in my life am i having any time with that younger person right now or am I spending all my time or most of my time thinking about that I mean that's that's where it becomes deleterious uh so then then there's a no relationship or a false or narrow relationship with a human being in your own present uh and you're thinking about what the human being up over the over the hill is going to need who who supposedly is the same human being as the little one here next to you uh, i I think that really what you're doing is self- servingly um Thinking that you're thinking about that person when you're really just thinking about your own
0: goals. Yeah, I think it's easy to sort of um, justify sacrifice in the present moment for an imagined future. But the imagined future is not only not guaranteed, but it's not going to shape up the way that you think that it is. It's never going to shape up the way that you think it is. That's just not the way that the future works. Our literature...
1: (laughs) All we have to do is read our literature. Beowulf is about this. Uh, uh, the Odyssey is about this.
0: Hmm.
1: Here's a guy who fought in war for 10 years. He was going to go just go, but he just had to insult the gods. And so he's spending 10 years yeah. <laughs> on a, yeah. on a voyage that should have taken a week.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's, this is, this is all about that stuff. Yeah. And, and so it, it raises the complexity of the issue, right? Because us, so I'm somebody who I try to be pretty financially savvy, right? Um, but at the same time, you you look around, you see other people and you go, well, this person seems too concerned about saving for the future. And, and they're not, they're not enjoying anything in the present, right? They're not, they're not going out and doing anything, you know, and that's this, this, but then there's other people, right? Who, who go, well, look at the, the economy's in the tank and the world's falling apart like what's the point in saving money you know like well i'll just spend it you go well maybe that's not the best approach either you know and so it's all calculations that are subjective because nobody has an objective view into the future right so the future in that way is inaccessible to us we don't have no matter what you know the the physicists would like to tell us if they knew all the initial preconditions, they 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 know everything about the future, right? It's just not the way. It's just not the way it turns out, right? We can because we can look at all of the the conditions that we have right in this second, and the very next second, we won't know what's going to happen. I just read a
1: science fiction story by uh, in a group of uh, a collection of stories by Ted Chiang, and one of the stories is very much about that. We. Uh, there's a way of having, uh, there, there's some there's a, a laptop uh, device, like laptop that that um, when you release a particle, then you can have communication with your mirror self, your para self, <laughs> so. and 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 how people use this and how people approach this, and and as the story goes on. It's it's not just oh well I make this decision and this happens, this particle just changes things by itself anyway, and you have a limited amount of time when you can talk to that paraself, but then the computer burns out, and 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 so there's all these things. Well, physics, which is pretty much telling us no, we we can't know this, but to your other point, I you know when you just said that. Uh, Nobody can absolutely know the future, and that's true. But but I have to say, and again, this references somebody very dear to me. Um, there are people who who know that things aren't going to get better for them physically. I mean, we we all know that we're going to die. But um, when when uh, the cascade of things happens, so that uh, uh, you're not going to have the life that you had. And it gets narrower and narrower. Um, and having had a recent conversation about this uh, her the future looks. she said, well, the future looks uh, mighty grim. to me it's it's not a it's, it's not something I can toy with anymore. And I and I and i and I'm not trying to bring us down with that, but I just think that's another view into the future. Yeah, um, yeah, and you know, think about that young woman. Um, um Chris Hemsworth was talking about in the special? We we, right. we talked a far back, and she, she's probably gone now. I mean, she had such a little amount of time that they were projecting mm-hmm. that, that, that she would have, and um, so she she essentially knows when it ends. Mm. And I think that that's even if you don't know entirely, absolutely, that's got to be a different.
0: Mindset, yeah, and that's an interesting sort of twist on it, right? Is we, okay, so we don't know what's going to happen from second to second, um but there does appear to be certain inevitabilities, right? Yeah. Right. like death, yeah. um And for some people, there's there's an actual time frame in place, and and you could probably even argue that for all of us, well, not for all of us, right? But but for most of us, there will be a time frame. You know, if if there's a, a tragic accident or something that happens in a moment, then that's unpredicted, but yeah but a lot of us will have some kind of time frame if we die of old age or of disease or something there will there'll will be a time where we will know roughly when when it's going to occur right and so how does that knowledge about the future in you know affect our present and then this week i was i was um in one of my classes actually they were talking about um, cases of medical misdiagnosis right and you yeah. had these people over and over again who were told they had 6 months to live a year to live and it was 20 or 30 years later mm-hmm. right so and how did those diagnoses affect, affect them psychologically yeah. and now so many years later how did how does it affect them right so very interesting twist and and I think that I'm going to lean into it here okay by bringing up something we talked about last week right which is where yeah. i asked you when we were talking about the present, is there a reason that we all simultaneously experience the present? And we we essentially said, no, there's no good reason for it, right? It doesn't really seem to make sense that whether we're here or whether we're seven billion light years away, the present is the present. But here's the thing, right? Is that space time is relativistic, right? So if I spin around a black hole and come back everybody's much older but i'm the same age so Mm -hmm. my present moment was different from everybody else's present moment yeah and so for all intents and purposes you could sort of make the claim that everybody on earth time traveled into the future while you were in your present right and that sort of argues for a view of your present or your reality as being independent from the rea- the present and the reality and the future of everybody else on Earth in that way. Do you think that that is something that is, um, real or imagined? Like, how do we how do well, we think about I, I that? I think it's
1: I think it's real in in the sense that physics is demonstrating this. Um, I think it's. Yeah, I mean we're not we're not as we've said we talk about black holes, but we're not we're not skating around them at the at the present moment. Uh, But it's still we do know what light does and what we're seeing in the past through our telescopes and and so by extension our present and will be yeah it's all it's all very mushy, Uh, but I think Rovelli, when he was talking about uh, uh, time and his book on that was asserting the the reality of packets we're in our own experiential packet which sometimes uh collides with or venn diagrams with other people's packets but we're we're essentially in our own space psychologically um even experientially physically if, if i'm in pain all day long My, my present is not yours. If you're, if you're well. Um, if I, we, we all live in, in the present, but, but people in the Middle East, the the Palestinians, the Israelis who were slaughtered, the Palestinians who are being devastated are not having the kind of day you and I are having. And and so, it's the same day. Yeah. Well, within the, the time
0: zones. <laughs> yeah, but. so there's two interesting aspects here, right? One is the psychological, and they've done experiments to demonstrate this. What they do is they'll dip people's hands into ice-cold water, mm-hmm. which evokes pain sensors, proprioceptic pain receptors, and then ask them to estimate the amount of time that's passed versus people who have have their hands in just room temperature water right what they find is that okay well if you're in pain your perception of the of the present is much longer right (sighs) and that's probably due to a i don't know how you'd characterize it almost like a negative mindfulness effect right you have something in the present moment that is so preoccupying that you can't think about the past or the future you are you have to be focused on what's happening right now because all of your neurons and receptors are bringing your attention, demanding it. it. Yeah, I think that that's still right. That is a subjective perception of time. Whereas if we were to spin around a black hole and come back. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's say that our emotional states were the same. And for this, this example we'll send you around the black hole because I don't (laughs) I I don't want to go so far around that I come back and you're dead right so you'll be the one to go around so you go around (laughs) the black hole and let's say that you have um just a fine time right you listen to music and you do your thing and and whatever and I'm back here and I'm doing the same thing right listening to the same the same playlist um and so when you come back we go hey we've had roughly equivalent experiences our our uh our psychological states and all of those things sort of match up. Um, but here we are, you know, after you took a one year spin around and I'm now 10 years older than I was, right? That goes beyond just a subjective um, experience of how time passes. Now, now we're into an objective warping of time in which measurable warping of time right in which you have traveled into my future mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. do you think that's an accurate um an accurate representation of what's happened you know we when we think about time travel we always think about time machines right, oh, right, right. about this thing that zaps us into a future or into a past where you know something is happening but I what I'm trying to demonstrate is that The relativistic properties of um, gravity—they still do this. It it just in a different type of way. Yeah.
1: yeah. No. I. I. If. 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 What you're you're asking is, do we have? Are. Are you? So you're saying basically, uh, are we time traveling, or are we? Is our present the same present? It's the same present, chronologically. for a little while, and then it's not. It's, it's our, our, uh, same present, um, in the physical
0: effects upon us, but it's not because, so. Yeah. And so this is the interesting part that goes back to the discussion last week, right? Cause yeah. So when we, we know that the present is the same everywhere, right? So during that whole trip your present moment would be the same as my present moment but if I were able to observe you during that time it would be as if you were moving in slow motion right and mm. you would see me and I would be moving in fast forward yeah yeah so the present moment is still there but it's sort of stretched and compressed in a way that it's silly putty yeah yeah right
1: it was <laughs> look Emerson's coming to mind I've got a- Transcendentalist, which we'll be talking about because somebody requested that. Yeah. Uh, 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 man postpones or remembers. I think postpones is interesting because I was talking about that today with you and a made
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Put it off to summer. Man postpones or remembers. He does not live in the present, but with reverted eye, laments the past, or heedless of the riches that surround him, stands on tiptoe to foresee the future interesting topographical metaphor. He cannot be happy and strong until he too lives with nature in the present above time. Now, this is before relativistic realizations, but relativism still existed. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, we forget that we didn't invent it because Einstein created the theory. It, it existed and his theory described how the universe works, All right, and seems to play out. So, If we cannot be happy and strong until we live with nature in the present, we live in the present, but it doesn't matter if our present is someone else's present. Uh, What matters is the conditions that they're in, in their present. Hmm. I I think there's a social, relativism is social justice, how's this? (laughs) Uh, Relativistic social justice. which weirdly came out of my mouth. I didn't expect it, but uh, I, I, I think it's undeniable that on the clock in the Eastern uh, Standard Time where we are, we have the same number of hours in the day from sunup to sundown, assuming nothing happens to us. And But how those hours feel to us psychologically, physically, because of pain, whatever else it is, it's 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 not the same present that matters and and then we're remember last week we taught um oh so many different things we talked about but that the truth is there there are things that are right and that there are things that are accurate yeah
0: yeah
1: right well the present is both hmm. the present that is that is Book metric act- accurate measurable on a chronometer, but that's not necessarily the present that we think is
0: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really it's really <laughs> interesting to think about. Uh, you know this idea of you know we we ascribe these uh, fantastical characteristics to time travel, when in reality we are all time travelers. And if it were possible to access a gravity well, we could experience some drastic time travel that would not violate any of the laws of the universe that we currently uh, live in, which is crazy. And so, it's going to lead into another crazy question, (laughs) which at first is going to sound very sort of abstract and theoretical, but then I'm going to bring it back around, right? So, if we change the past, then are we also changing the future? Okay, I'm going to take a psychological
1: tack. <clears throat> uh, from a mental health viewpoint, uh, something that you were talking about earlier. If <clears throat> a human being is caught in the pain of the past so much that the present isn't really happening for them, and they get help via medication, therapy, um, experience and and they get right with themselves so to speak um then something has changed in the perception of their time and where they're spending most of their time going back to Augustine. does that
0: does that make sense yeah no i think that it does Um, and this is that is something that we talked about um you know the guy that i was on the podcast with this week had been a you know a special forces guy and he was talking about how um, you know he wrote a a small book that he never intended on releasing it He wrote it for his children hmm. um as an explanation for why he felt he had um negatively impacted their their childhood right um and explained the reason for that you know, and how um you know there there was there was trauma in his past, and that you know the the military had only given him one tool in his toolbox, and that was uh, anger, you know. That when he got out of the military that was the only tool that he had and he was oh, trying to use it and he hadn't you know and um you know what we talked about was how you change that is um recognizing that your present self the, the one that you're currently is on, it's, is on yeah. autopilot right it's, yeah. it's 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 an autopilot that is set based off of your interpretation of your past And that the hardest part about changing is accepting that is true, right? I am this terrible guy. I am this guy that is ruining my children's childhoods, right? And then confronting yourself, do I want to be this guy, right? And then putting into the work to seek the help that you need to become a different version of who you are and reinterpreting that past. Remaking your own ship of Theseus. Yeah. I we're back to that. So, what was your question again? So, the question was, if we change the past, are we also changing the future? And
1: and one would say, arguably so. If if his relationship with his children has, is taking a new step, it's not going to erase what happened with them either. But we don't just erase things and get start over again like some video game. And, and I, what you just said was, was a very good articulation of that. But if we take steps to make ourselves better we may still lose I, I had a student a remarkable student so uh, uh, who worked in the uh, correctional system uh, in a maximum security system uh, prison and and when he came to class he was an older student but one day we talked he, he came to talk to me about uh, why he had come to college and and he was all in with his studies um and and so he said you always say to us that that you you can't tell us what our life experiences has been but if we tell you about it that that can affect how we work together and 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 he and and he said that he had become essentially what he called an animal. He was choosing fights with inmates. He was he was abusing people. He he um, got his neck broken in a fight that he said, well, it was righteous. I picked a, I, I started a fight with an inmate, and he had been drinking, and 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 he he lost his first family. He could not recover his wife or his uh, children. They were lost to him because they moved on. They went away. But he formed a second one. He also died young. He died um, during the pandemic. Um, and he's m- much younger than I. So I, 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 I think about that when you bring this up, is that uh, there are consequences. We, we can't change the past, um, but we can change what the past uh, we can address what the past did to us enough to make changes in ourselves in the present. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think that that's a good point, right? We can't change the past, but we can reinterpret it. Right? And if we do that,
1: then how we move on into the future—we'll use that that metaphor—is—is—is is, is, is going to make things different
0: than they otherwise would have been. All right, so we've we've hit an interesting point here, right? Which is that okay? So we we can't change the past personally, but we can reinterpret our our histories and therefore change the outcome of our futures and that this can create drastic effects right people yeah. who um were on a course to be a certain type of person and then due to the reinterpretation of their past have now become a different person has the past changed no the past has not changed that how that person chooses to view the facts of the past um, and how they choose to interpret them for what it means for how they develop as a person has changed. And it's all it is is that knowledge, right, which has yeah. which has set this different course.
1: But I also think that that we have to take pains to remember that we're not talking about the entire past. We're not talking about the person's entire past. this is this is an incrementalism or a granular kind of thing. We're talking about elements of the person's past. Mm-hmm. that are, that are being addressed so there the, there's the person's whole past at it and it might not have just been being in the military um and having anger as the only tool in the toolbox that led that person into behaving the way that he was um uh, but yeah you can you 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 address you if if you face the past as you remember it um and, and you try to be as honest with yourself as you can about what that past was, then that can lead to change. But there's another story by Ted Chang, the science fiction writer that I read this week too, that, um, in, in which a, a person, uh, a dad, uh, uh, confronts his, his daughter because he's had a memory he's, uh, of, of her, um, rejecting him. And the, and the whole story is about, well, in a, in a, in a future time when, Uh, everything is recorded about us. Our whole lives are accessible to us Um, (laughs) 24-7 every single day. And so you can go back and solve an argument, who said what first, and that could lead to marriages dissolving and all kinds of things. And, And he finally goes back and looks at the situation and he's the one who rejected his daughter and his mind didn't let him believe that and so he'd set up this terrible thing and then she says so you just want to come and say you're sorry and i'm going to it's all going to be okay it's it's not um it's it's going to take a lot more than that to make us right and so it's very interesting psychological exploration when you have all of your past to look at in in this storyline
0: um, it can cause a lot of damage. Yeah. Yeah. And we you know, again, this this is it does dip into our discussion on the past, talking about okay, objective facts <laughs> that happen and then how they're remembered, you know, hmm. how memory works and how we interpret them in the present. And and this isn't just on a, a personal level, but also on a cultural and historic level as well. So now to the weird stuff, <laughs> right? Which is this apply on a cosmic level and so we've talked about before the double slit experiment right where you you take a wave you take a particle of light and what you see is okay if you have a single slit it acts as as a wave and then if you have a double slit suddenly it acts as a particle and it can't really be both, right well the weird where it gets weirder right is that you can do this experiment on a cosmic level with Einsteinian rings, right? Yeah. So you have this galaxy that's behind another galaxy and now the light is warped around. And what you find is that the light can either come over top or down below. But either way, you're, you observing that light changes the billion-year history that that light took to travel to you so for all intents and purposes it appears that your observation of the past has has changed it or set it in some way taken it the probability out of it and then set it on a now concrete course Mm. so do you think that by changing the past in that type do you think that we can change the past in that type of way do you think that we have that power? And does that alter the future versus not making an observation?
1: This is a really big, really big question. Because people, I mean, on one level, we we see it happening around us. Something tangibly, measurably, documentably, there it is, we see it happen in the past, and people say, no, that's not what happened. Nope. Not even when they look at it. Not even when it's right on the screen. Somebody manipulated that. It wasn't like that. Nope. Uh, I, I will not believe anything because everybody's manipulating things, so there is no way to trust anything that I see. So, if you, if, 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 if you get into that rabbit hole, you're not going to climb out of it, probably, unless somebody can really reach in and help you out. Um, so so the past can be reshaped by us in in how our memory functions and how our memory is uh, we receive help in addressing our memories, or we help ourselves with it. Uh, but we, humans have the capacity, to change the past through utter denial uh, and not for not changing the past for everyone but changing what the past could tell them about themselves so humans can opt out of the past And i think it's rather like taking a drug or drinking too much or whatever it happens to be okay i uh i uh and i don't mean i, I don't mean drugs that are prescribed i just mean you know, okay let's just I want to numb myself to the past. I won't acknowledge that it's there, even if I see it. That can change your future uh, in a very different way than we were just talking about with the guy on the podcast.
0: Yeah, so what I'm curious about is when we're looking at You want physics. To get the physics of it. Yeah, okay. yeah. Sorry. Right. So the perplexing part about it, right, with this double slit this yeah. double slit experiment or viewing these Einstein rings is that basically physicists don't know what's going on right Whoa. you go okay well these things can't be a wave and a particle yet they are you know we if we observe them at any given spot it seems to have changed the historical past of the particle right so we have to stop saying they can't be because
1: they are right <laughs> in fact it does happen <laughs> so. It, we want to think that can't possibly happen, but right there it is in front of us. We don't understand why. Yeah. But clearly it has something to do with our perceptions. And if our
0: perceptions are that powerful. <laughs> yeah, it raises the question, right? And we're gonna explore this topic in coming weeks. Like I said, we're we're gonna take a break for probably two or three weeks to cover some different topics, but then we are going to come back to a book that you and I are both reading yeah. and discuss it. Because It really gets to the heart of this very issue, which is, does the human power of observation really have, and maybe not even human, but does the power of conscious observation have this tangible effect on reality, or is it just a fundamental misunderstanding of what reality is, right? (sighs) And so... I'm really excited to have that conversation in a few weeks, but it's just something to be thinking about. Yeah. So, the last question is, will there be an end to time? Will there be a point when there is no more
1: future? Well, given that we spent the weeks talking about past, present, and the future, <laughs> uh, arguably, yes, in the entropic heat death of the universe.
0: I think it's, yeah, I think it's interesting, right? Because I don't know how clear it is, right? We have, so we we talked about Ravelli, you know, for the past few weeks and how, Mm -hmm. you know, human existence is sort of this demonstration of, yes, entropic heat where, you know, you have have the wave between the two things and we're the wave. So once the wave is gone, there can be no more um, diffusion of energy between systems and everything is relatively flat. And this is explained in the heat death of the universe as, you know, dark energy coming to to dominate and everything becoming more and more spread out until there's nothing but black holes. And then eventually those evaporate. And then there's nothing but just a thermal equilibrium. There's no differences in heat. There's no differences in energy. There's just nothing. Right At that moment, does time end? I think so. I I think that the physicist, Rovelli,
1: when when Rovelli said, we we mentioned this before, uh, says that time is suffering. Hmm. Um, We we long for timelessness. We, We endure the passing of time. We suffer time. Well, if there's no living thing left to experience the suffering of time, then... Time doesn't exist in any meaningful way
0: because there's nothing left to make meaning of it uh, for, for me I yeah know, no, no like I'm and I, out from it but I, I think that's a really interesting observation and I think that it comes back to the problem that we just stated right which is does conscious observation hold power over reality or is it a misunderstanding of of the physics mm-hmm. but No, it really does, right? Because when we were talking about the example earlier of of spinning you around a black hole and coming back, right? And how our our present moments, right? Mine sped, mine appeared to speed way up to you and yours appeared to slow way down to me. But in reality, they both operated subjectively to the two of us as if they were the same. Mm -hmm. But the future entered, all of that weirdness goes away if there's no conscious observers, yeah. And so we asked the question last week, is time or is the present moment and time just a construction of conscious beings? And your answer was yes. My answer is yes. What's and I didn't answer? disagree with you, but I also, <laughs> I also have a hard time agreeing because there, there seems, it seems to me as if it, it seems as if time has to be a fundamental part of the universe. And this is what we're going to discuss in a few weeks that I'm so excited about, right? Because if space-time is a fabric as laid out by Einstein, which has been experimentally supported time and time again, right? Then the mere absence of conscious observers does not end time, right? As long as there's space, even if there is no energy, even if there is no matter, right? If space exists, then time exists. I, I, I wasn't making myself clear.
1: I'm not saying time doesn't exist. I'm saying there's no meaning to it. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I can agree with that. Uh, there's okay. no meaning. Whether it exists or not, I, I, yeah. we're back to the tree in the woods, my friend. <laughs> the tree falls in the woods. Does it make a sound? Well, it makes the uh, waves that could be picked up by some animal. And even if, People are in the woods. The animals would hear it, so, so I think it it does. But but if there are no pe- animals, people, nothing living within any within any dis- uh, per, uh, perimeter of, of that tree falling, it doesn't matter, right? It makes a sound, but so what? Mm-hmm. You know. So I'm mm-hmm. being, I guess, anthropomorphic. But I, if if time exists or or not, is not relevant to me.
0: But it's relevant to me. so let's say so and so operating under our standard model of physics what we understand right Mm -hmm. is that time does have a finite past it came into being with the big bang and based off our current calculations there won't be a crunch it won't compose back and there isn't there isn't a cyclical view of the universe that is um unequivocally supported by modern physics. So the result is that the the widely held view within the scientific community is that dark energy will dominate, things will spread out, and then there will just be a, a diffuse energy state of nothing in a gigantic universe. And
1: and even in all those black holes that might have multiverses within them, they're all gonna go dark too.
0: Yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna,
1: exactly. gonna go white holes pop out of Okay.
0: So yeah, does is, is that the end of the future, right? <laughs> obviously, I mean, if you think about it for conscious beings, obviously it's the end, right? Like we're yes. no longer there. Yeah. And if each black hole is the Big Bang in a new universe, then, well, even those have evaporated and those universes are gone, If right? there's
1: no more universe and all the lights have gone out. Is that this the still end like- of
0: time? Yes.
1: Uh, well. I still think yes, because I'm going to bring it right down into the the human uh, experiment of of sensory deprivation. You were talking about sticking your hand in ice water. Remove all sound, all smell, all light. Someone's floating in a tank. There's no sense of time. So time has stopped. now it didn't outside the box. But there's the slit again. Uh, Schrodinger's cat. You know the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. Is all it. time has stopped for the being. If if the universe is is void, as we're told in sacred texts that it started as void. Well, time didn't exist till God created it. Uh, if the universe goes to void again. And I'm being glib, but I'm going to be just because it's fun. So, so God smashes the clock. There's no need for time if there's no if there's no storyline, if there are no characters, if there's
0: no players, then there's no time. Yeah, what I wonder, <laughs> right, is if something we've talked about Penrose's view of a cyclical universe, mm-hmm. right, which is mm-hmm. where once this condition is reached, where the whole universe is just diffuse and there's no longer anything in it then mathematically it represents the exact same conditions the moment before the big bang started right hmm. and i think that that's relevant to the sensory deprivation tank too lots of people get into these tanks and then in the lack of any sensation or perception their mind suddenly starts creating hallucinations illusions you know things things that that appear out of the void right and so Penrose's You know, conjecture is that once you reach that state, and then we go, we talked about our conversation with Boltzmann brains, right? Once you reach that state, um, sure, it might be, it doesn't really matter if it's one minute or if it's a hundred trillion years, right? Because, like you said, time, whether or not time exists, it lacks any meaning. But at some point, there's going to be a quantum fluctuation that will bring something back into existence.
1: And I'm waiting for you to batter me on this in another way, and you didn't, so I'm going to batter me for you. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I said uh, a while back in this conversation that uh, uh, on the chronometer or or by measure, uh, the 12 or 24 hours of the day exist, but our presence are all different from each other. The only so is essentially, I I shouldn't be able to just declare mightily that the time no longer exists. I I don't time has no meaning. But if it exists, in what way, who's going to measure it, who's who's going to empirically experience it? Hmm.
0: Ontologically, there's no being of time. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that is the important part, right, is so the physicist can can run calculations, right, and say, well, this is how long it would take for the probability to emerge for another Big Bang to occur. But that's all probability-based, right? Yeah. So, the, so the probability that all of the oxygen in this room is going to condense in the corner is very small, but it could happen at any moment. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it, of, of course. I mean, I'm just waiting. So, we've got the universe
1: reduced to utter entropy and darkness, the void. Until the cinematic voice comes out and says, The void lasted for two trillion years. And then, being like Neil Gaiman or Terry Pratchett, and then something weird happened. (laughs) (laughs) But then there's that voice, which is the narrator, which means somebody's
0: watching it, which means somebody's experiencing time but it ain't us. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you see, I think that in this scenario, right, even it doesn't matter how much time passes. If something occurs, then there is no end to the future, right? Yes. Uh, so I, I would say I would time that time does continue to exist. And we know just based off of probabilities that the the likelihood that nothing would continue on forever is zero essentially is it
1: <laughs> i mean we, we we talk about the universe appearing we've done this for years right we've uh, pop, there it is and all the different ideas about well yeah but then it then it slingshot then it pops back out again or then there's a
0: multiverse or whatever but but i don't know <laughs> The reason I base <laughs> that, the reason I say that, is based off of the weirdness of infinities, right? Mm-hmm. So well, zero world, yeah, I sent that to yeah, you yeah. Know. So if we have an infinite amount of time, as long as even if all the matter and all the energy is gone, and this is where I'm, I'd be curious, what Carlo Revelli you know, would say, yeah, because yeah, in that conception, time and space are a granular. This is above thing. my
1: pay grade, man. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> but regardless, it's going to be an interesting thing to revisit when in a few weeks when we start talking yeah. about uh, Donald Hoffman. But until next time, keep talking.